It may have only been a silver medal, won at the recent Olympics in Tokyo, but it's turning into gold. A Polish track and field Olympian named Maria won a silver medal in javelin. She decided there was something that she just had to do. Maria, herself a bone cancer survivor, arrived home and learned an eight-month-old boy needed a heart transplant. She put her medal up for auction to help pay for the rare heart surgery at a cost of nearly $390,000, requiring travel to the United States. The word got out, and a Polish convenience store chain, Zabka, bought the medal to give life to the young child for $125,000. And the twist? The winning bidder? is letting Maria keep the medal as part of its donation. How does one put a price on life? You can't. And the life that Christ gives to all who follow him? Nothing less than priceless. Welcome to Haven Today. I'm Charles Morris, sharing the great story that's all about Jesus. And today we're concluding a program series called Christ in the Darkness. We live in such a busy day and age even in our COVID world. It seems like you and I are always rushing on to the next thing, doesn't it? Maybe we're going to a soccer game for a child or a grandchild, or it's time to leave for a Bible study or even a church service. And then there's housework, yard work, and, well, all kinds of work. But what do we do when every day brings troubles and worries with it? How can we cope? Or better yet, how can we look to Jesus? In just a minute, we'll be hearing from Tim Sizemore. Tim is a Christian psychologist. He holds a Ph.D. from Fuller Seminary. He's an author and has even spent time as a professor. I pray that he will bless you today as he's blessed me, even as we talk about the struggles we face in this Christian life. And after we have a chat with Tim, we'll be joined one last time this week by Pastor Zach Heswine. He'll help us as well as we consider how to live life one day at a time. Every time I talk to this friend, I'm encouraged to look to Jesus. And Zach doesn't just say these things as someone who's never gone through it. He's had hard times in life when the darkness wanted to swallow him up. But Jesus didn't let go of Zach, and he won't let go of you either. After the program today, I'd like to send you a copy of one of Zach's books called Spurgeon's Sorrows. If you or someone you know is struggling with depression, anxiety, or some other issue, I encourage you to take a look at this important book. I've read it, and I can tell you it's helped me in my own Christian walk. And it's also helped me understand my friends and loved ones who are going through similar things. Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, was not a superhuman. He struggled with depression, just like many of us have. And he knew that his only true hope could be found in his Savior. And Zach Heswine points us to the same Jesus that Spurgeon found. I'll send you a copy of this important book for your gift to Haven today. You can also call and ask for Jay Stalker's CD quietly for your gift to the ministry. Our number to call after the program is 800-654-2836. 800 65 Haven. 
or visit our website and read more. Read a sample chapter of Spurgeon's Sorrows at haventoday.org. Haventoday.org. And that's also where you can listen to samples that we have from Jay Stalker's album called Quietly. And now, let's open our time together with a song that's based on Psalm 62. Against my foes, and I will not be shaken. Though lips may bless and hearts may curse, and lies like arrows pierce me, I'll fix my heart on righteousness. I'll look to Him who hears me.
Aaron Keyes, opening Haven today, My Soul Finds Rest. It's from an album he put out called Mission Worship. And what you just heard is based on Psalm 62. I'm Charles Morris, and the program is called Christ in the Darkness. Today, we're talking about how to live one day at a time. That's hard to do. We're often caught up in all the details and even the trials, and we're easily overwhelmed by all that life throws at us. I spoke a few days ago with Tim Sizemore. He's a Christian psychologist, and he had this to say about how we respond to the hardships in our lives. Well, there's some psychological literature to back up what I'm going to say, but I'm going to speak in Christian terminology to do that. One of the problems with a lot of these things is we equate God's blessing with temporal well-being. Okay. And that's because I think a lot of times we haven't read all of the Scripture. I've just been going through some old Puritan sermons on uh, Philippians 3. Mm-hmm. And Paul actually prays to share in the sufferings of Christ. And that doesn't sound like most of us. You know, Lord, I I'd like to suffer. <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because we see pleasure as the goal. Mm. But then if you, if you say, would you give up a kidney for your wife? Of course we would, because it's for a good cause. Mm-hmm. And if this is how God is to be glorified, and you know, one of the wonderful things I think that's going to come out of this is America is going to be better able to tell who the real Christians are. Mm. Because the, the kind of semi-part-time, every once in a while, just give me a little Jesus kind of Christians aren't really going to make it. Because as we suffer, it has to be because we are committed to a cause. We're recording this during the Olympics. And you talk about all these people who've worked so hard to receive that prize. They've suffered so much. You know, they could have gone out with their friends and ate pizza and, and you know stuff and not suffered as much, but they wouldn't have a gold medal at the end of the day. Hmm. And we press on toward our prize. Paul loves to use uh, metaphors that, out of sports. And it's like, this is our training. This is our discipline to be stronger as Christians, to trust God in, in suffering and adversity. It, it is much more glorifying to God for me to hold on to my faith and be strong and trust in him in adversity than it is when everything's rolling along just fine. Mm. Well, if I'm feeling trapped right now, maybe nothing to do with COVID, but maybe there are water systems in some parts of America, especially California, Northern California right now, they're running out of water. If I were to say, Dr. Sizemore, Three simple steps, five simple steps. What can I do about this anxiety that I've got or this depression that I'm going through? And I know one size doesn't fit all. Mm -hmm. But talk to me as a brother. Anxiety comes from a sense of feeling threat. Okay. In the Bible, there's a different word for anxiety than for fear in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. Right. Fear is an imminent danger. Mm -hmm. Like if I see a rattlesnake at my feet. Anxiety, marimna, I can't say Greek very well, but that's the word, is the uh, be anxious for nothing language of Scripture. 
mm-hmm. and that is coming up with a threat in our head that isn't really there. Mm. So sure, if, if your house is being flooded, you should be afraid and take action to get out of there, right? That's a normal thing. But as Christians, the marimna, the, the worrying, to use probably the best single way of explaining that, is where the problem comes. Because then we're saying, wait, this may not work out. What's going to happen? And the answer is there. This sounds simplistic, because, but it takes a while to develop it. That's why I'm not being very helpful to give you three easy steps. <laughs> so, That's right. I forgive you for that. But, but. Thank you. Thank you. I'll, I'll deal with forgiveness. I, I, I often use this illustration, which mean, is, is very meaningful to me. When I was a kid, about 10 years old, I was with my parents. I was just My parents and me were in the car, and we were in a different city because my dad had gone for a job interview. And we were out at night in the dark, and it was pouring rain, and we were lost. Mm. And I remember sitting in the backseat of the car and thinking about, how cozy is this? All this mess around us, and I'm here dry and safe. And the secret to me doing that, which I wouldn't be doing now if I were driving, <laughs> but I knew my dad was driving that car. Hmm. And whatever the dangers were that were all around us, I was safe as long as my dad was driving that car. Hmm. Hmm. And I think that's what we lose as Christians is we forget who's driving the car. We get to looking at the storm and not at who's driving. And I think that is the key. So if anything, is look to the driver, not to the storm. Hmm. And the storm, we, have, we are in a big storm culturally and in medically and all kinds of things. But the driver is still the same for a Christian, right? There is uncertainty. And so another thing is not to try to remove uncertainty, but to learn to live with uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Because there is an ultimate certainty. God will bring us home safely, but he hasn't given us the play-by-play on how he's going to do it. It, it's kind of like the Apostle Paul, you know, you will have trouble <laughs> right. in this Christian life. Not maybe, no buts about it. You will have trouble. <laughs> yeah. Trouble. That's a word we don't like to hear, do we? Tim Sizemore, thanks for being on with me. Maybe you and I hear that we will have trouble in the Christian life, and we begin to get a little nervous. After all, each day can be full of trouble. And then you add them all together, that's double trouble in our lives. How do we take life one day at a time? Well, here again to help us with that question is my friend and pastor, Dr. Zach Hesswine. Boy, that's, the, that's a question we need to help each other with. Uh, you know, the, the anchor of that promise there is that the Heavenly Father knows. Look at the lilies, look at the, the birds, the, the Lord knows. And so how do we take one day at a time as we, we set each day into the presence of the Lord? And here's one way I've been learning to do that. I think of it as the four portions of a day. Try to break down one day at a time into four portions. And so the morning, the afternoon, the evening, and if you're up in the night with anxiety or you're awake and can't sleep, the night watches. And those four portions of a day you'll find throughout the scripture. And uh, when one portion ends and another one's about to start, you pause. You pause for a little bit of time 
to cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. And what does that look like? It's 1145. You're on your way to a lunch appointment at noon. The morning is ending. The afternoon is about to begin. So you turn the radio off in your car, unless, of course, you're listening to Haven today. (laughs) You turn your radio off in the car. And uh, you ask three things of the morning before you enter the afternoon. Number one, were there any temptations this morning? Flies buzzing around my head that are still there. And then I cast that upon the, the Lord because he cares for me. Are there any consolations, uh, any comforts from this morning? Any, any flowers that were given me that I could collect and put in a vase at the end of the day? Then I take hold of those and give thanks to the Lord and uh, gratitude for that. And then are there any anxieties still from the, that morning? And then maybe you're thinking back to your yourself and you realize, oh, my mind is still at 8.15 a.m. when I got that email that said CONCERNED in all caps. And uh, there were 800 words or 400 words, and it was a tough one. Hmm. And you realize you're entering the afternoon, but you're still carrying the anxiety from 8.15 a.m. with you. And so you cast that upon the Lord because He cares for you. Now, when that's happening, what that means is if you and I are having lunch, I will be much more present with you much more ready and able to listen and to look for the Lord together because my cares are being cast on him before we met. And that way I'm not looking to you to solely take care of that for me, but together we can look to the Lord who cares for us. And so you do that in each of those four portions of a day, either by yourself in the example I gave or with a trusted friend, particularly if we struggle with anxiety or beset by depression, it can be helpful to do this with a friend. And so that is, that is one way to walk through a day. Matthew Henry, the old Bible teacher, called the result of something like this a Sabbath heart. Mm. And what happens is our internal life slows down, even though everything else is still swirling about us. Our internal life begins to slow down because we are, number one, pausing to actually meditate on our being his beloved. He cares for us. And number two, we're actually pausing to take our our actual very real anxieties to him, our very real temptations to him. And then we're pausing to notice the encouragements, comforts, consolations he's given to us. So that by the end of the day, we do have flowers to put in a vase, Hmm. uh, as it were. What a savior you and I have. He rules over all things, yet he hears us when we call to him. Zach Heswine, thank you for joining me again today, along with Tim Sizemore. As King David tells us in Psalm 62, Yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. These words from Scripture help to inspire what you're just about to hear.
even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Words from Psalm 23, and I'm Charles Morris on Haven Today, the program called Christ in the Darkness. And you were just listening to a song from the Quietly album by Jay Stalker. When he wrote this song, he had in mind Bible passages like Psalm 23. And this week, as we've talked about the hope we have in Christ, even in the midst of darkness, I pray that Psalm 23 is even more special to you. As you and I go into this weekend and we leave this week's series behind us, I hope you remember what we've talked about. And what better way than by reading the book Spurgeon's Sorrows or listening to that background music of Quietly. It's an instrumental that Jay Stalker played on the piano. And before we leave today, I want to say thank you once again to Tim Sizemore for being on the program, as well as Zach Hesswine. I pray that they both encouraged you like they've encouraged me. Why don't you make a move? Call us right now. And here's the number to call for either Zach Hesswine's book, Spurgeon's Sorrows, or Jay Stalker's Quietly CD. Or you can make a gift for each and be blessed by both of them at the same time. The number's 800-654-2836. That's 800-65-HAVEN. No matter the season that you're in in life, and no matter the week that you are just wrapping up, I know that Zach's book will minister to you as he points you to Jesus. And Jay's album will help you find the quiet you need to be alone in our Lord's care. I've read the one and listened to the other, and I can't recommend them both highly enough. And if there's someone in your life struggling with perhaps their health, maybe their mental health right now, I encourage you to get a second copy of either or both to send along to them. You can also make your gift online. And our web address is haventoday.org. That's haventoday.org. And when you're there, you can listen to samples of this CD quietly. You can even read the first chapter of Spurgeon's Sorrows for free. I'm Charles Morris. Thank you so much for joining me. Won't you come back again tomorrow when again we get to share together the great story. It's all about Jesus here on Haven Today. Here for your walk with Jesus, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Ministries, inviting you to anchor your day in God's Word. Most Christians want to please God and avoid sin, but it's not so easy. Our sin nature is at war inside of us, enticing us, desiring what's wrong, which is why we're called to resist the devil and flee from sin. But let me ask you, what's your motivation for resisting sin? Are you trying to earn points with God? or hoping your obedience means you'll get something in return? If so, you've missed the gospel. If you belong to Jesus, his righteousness has become your own. And instead, your motivation can be the same as the Apostle Paul. He once wrote, Christ's love compels us that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. Get Anchor Devotional in print every month. 
visit getanchor.com.